Now are you ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, as we, as we uh, press into your word, Lord, that, that, uh, that we would learn, that we would grow. We don't want to be stuck on milk for the rest of our lives, Lord. We want to grow. We want to mature. So this morning, Father, I pray that our hearts are ready to receive what you have for us and that your word would accomplish inside of us what you intended to accomplish. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking on the subject of the Trinity. How many of you guys know what the Trinity is? Everybody know what the Trinity is? How many of you guys understand the Trinity? Yeah, this is, this is a little bit of a difficult subject. And we're going to talk about why it really is. So the, the, the basics of it are actually pretty easy to get the grasp of. The, the, it's the how it works. It's kind of weird to, to really wrap your head around. But the basics are this. What, is, what do we mean by Trinity? Well, it's actually a, a, a word combined of two words. It's tri, which stands for three, and unity, which stands for one. Tri, unity, trinity. You see how we did that? So we have trinity. That means three in one. And that's the problem that we have, is because we have a hard time grasping three equaling one. And it's difficult because instantly we want to start splitting stuff up, right? We want to, to uh, uh, start dividing it up. You know, like, oh, three goes into one, no problem. You just have three-thirds. But that's not how the Trinity works. It's three holes equals one whole. And it's difficult to kind of get your head wrapped around. And what, what we're talking about with this is the three persons of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, are each equally God. They're each God. They're not a part of God. They're not a portion of God. And this is what, uh, and, and they're not uh, transitioning from state to state either. This, this excludes what's called modalism. If you've ever heard of modalism, what that means is that at one moment, God is God the Father. But when he needs to, he, he, he really quick shifts into Jesus, the Son. And then when he needs to, he kind of, you know, now he's the Holy Spirit. But he's no longer the God, the Father, and the Son because he's got to transition. That's what modalism is. He's, he, he's in different modes at different times. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. It also excludes this idea of there being three different gods. Now, we all agree that God the Father, I mean, I mean that's in the name, right? God the Father. Father is God. And, and we'll talk about Jesus is also God, and the Holy Spirit is also God. So another thing people will try to do is like, well, I guess they must be three different gods. But they're not three different gods. They're all the same God. And that's where the, so the, the concept is easy, three persons and one God. But wrapping our head around how that works gets a little bit difficult. It gets a little bit hard to understand. And I admit that it's tough, and trying to explain this to people can be difficult at times, and there's all kinds of objections to the Trinity. And I think the problem that we run into is that Nothing in this world operates like this. We have no point of reference because each of us are one being and also just one person. One being, one person. So we, we have a hard time uh, relating to what the Trinity actually looks like. And this is where the big shocker comes in. How many of the gods different than us? <laughs> He's different which is why sometimes we can't wrap our head around some of this stuff. We have no point of reference. It's hard to grasp. And the thing is, is this isn't the only thing uh, in the Bible that's like that. How many of you guys really understand the concept of eternity? That's a difficult one to understand. 
because time is consistent and constant in our world. We've never understood or had a point of reference of life without time. So understanding what eternity really is, is difficult for us. Now, I heard eternity described like this once, and I, I think it, it, it tries to help you wrap around the length of eternity, but still not really, but it was like this. Imagine that you had a, a solid marble ball the size of the earth, and you had an eagle flying around it. And every one time around it, he would swoop down, and he would brush the earth's surface real quick, just touch it with his wing. And by the time he wore the, 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 marble down, or the earth down to the size of a marble, that's the beginning of eternity. But even that deals with the concept of time. Even that is us trying to wrap our head around something that doesn't have time with time because that's our only point of reference. We, can't, we don't understand. We can't comprehend no time. It's like trying to comprehend a 2D world. You know, there's been great short stories talking about what it would look like if, if a three-dimensional person went into a two-dimensional world, what that would look like. But we have no concept. We, we, we have three dimensions. We have no concept of what it would be like to exist with only two. So we have no point of reference. But it's not even stuff in the Bible. There's all kinds of things in our lives that uh, uh, we don't have a point of reference for. You ever dealt with just really big numbers? 7.8 billion people on the earth right now. Can you, can you, in your mind, can you grasp your head around how many people that is? Let me give you a little, a little analogy. If you had a, a red button that every time you pushed it, one of the people on the earth would be completely healthy and get a million dollars. If you wanted to give that to every person, you know, 7.8 billion people, and you press that button once a second, Doot, person just got rich and healthy. Boop, person got rich and healthy. If you did that for once a second, I did the math on this, that would take you a little over 247 years to make sure that every person on the earth just got rich and healthy. And that doesn't even include population growth. That doesn't even include any of that stuff. That's just what we have right this second. We have a hard time grasping these numbers. We can't really conceptualize them. How about this one? Um... Alpha Centauri, you guys, anybody know what Alpha Centauri is? It's the next closest solar system to us. It is 4.7 light years away from us. And this is the closest, 4.7 light years. That means it takes light, 4.7 years, like if you were to flip on a flashlight, name it right at Alpha Centauri, 4.7 years is how long it would take that light to get there. But even then, we still don't really grasp that, so I did some math. That is 2.73 let me show you this. It's that many miles to get there. 27.3 trillion. That many is there. We don't have a way to conceptualize this. If we did, we'd be much more upset about the, uh, the trillions of dollars of debt our country is in. If we understood how big these numbers really are. And, and that's just like, that's still a small number if you start thinking about the size of the universe. You know, the, the, what, what the, 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 the concepts that God is dealing with are just blow our, our minds away. The closest, um, the center of our galaxy is 30,000 light years from us. So Alpha Centauri is 4.7 light years. The center of our galaxy is about 30,000 light years away. That's 1.74 times 10 to the 17th. That's 174 with 50, or 15 more zeros after it. And then we're talking there's galaxies that are even farther. We, we can't conceptualize these numbers. 
Which is why when we look at this, it starts to get weird. Now this is a little graphic to help you understand. The Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God. The Father is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. It's this concept. This is a great way to conceptualize it, but it's still something we can't grasp our heads around because we have no point of reference. And my whole point with talking about these numbers and, and this many miles to, to uh, the next solar system, my whole point with that is to let us know that it's difficult for us to grasp things that we have no point of reference to compare it to. This is why analogies fall short when we're trying to describe the, the, the Trinity. Anybody ever heard, well, it's like steam, water, and ice. Anybody ever heard that, steam, water, and ice? The problem with that, that's modalism. Something can't be steam, water, and ice all at the same time. So God's not like that. God is not steam, then, then, then melts into water, and then freezes into ice. God is at once all of these, and they are all at once him. But they're still three separate but they're, they're one. Anybody else confused? That's because God's different than you. He, he works a little bit different than us. <laughs> what about anybody ever heard the, uh, the egg shell, or the, egg, the egg analogy? You have the shell, the yolk, and the white. The problem with that is, is, is that we have one egg, but that, 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 kinda, that analogy falls short because it looks like we have God as one-third egg, one-third thir- one yolk, one-third one shell, one-third white. He's not. He's, he's all of them all at once. I just heard another great analogy. It was actually a, 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 a pretty young kid that came up with this one. And, and it's, it's great for her getting her head around it, but she said well, what, it's like uh, uh, the shampoo, you know, shampoo and conditioner and detangler all in one, <laughs> which is a great way for her to understand it. But from a real, a real uh, really trying to conceptualize it, it falls short again because God is not one-third Jesus, one-third the Father, and one-third the Son. God is, the, the Son is fully God, the Holy Spirit is fully God, and the Father is fully God. Only one God, though. Anybody confused? This is why when I talk about it, I realize it's hard to grasp. But, as Christians, even if we can't fully grasp it, just like eternity, we can't fully grasp it, how many of you know eternity is real? Just because we can't fully wrap our head around it um, with experience and conceptualize it based on what we've, we've dealt with doesn't mean it's not something that's accurate or true. We need to heed what the Bible says regarding this. So let's get started. First, there is only one God. Isaiah 43.10 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I am ch- have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me makes it pretty clear. There's only one God. No God before God. No God after God. But that's not the only place, right? Isaiah 44, 6-8 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And then he goes on there in, in verse 8. He says, Fear not, nor be afraid, for have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock, I know, not any. He is the only God. There is only one God. Isaiah 45, uh, 21 through 22, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God beside me. A righteous God and Savior, there is none beside me. 
Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Pretty clear, right? But it's not just the Old Testament. Let's read the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, and I don't have time to put everything up here, so you're just going to get the first one, and I'm going to read them out loud, write them down. I hope you got notes. Good news is it's recorded. You can watch it again. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father. Yet for us there's how many gods? One God, the Father, from whom all things and whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Just as a side note, kind of looks like they're both the same, right? <laughs> one God who is the Father and also Jesus. So Jesus is God, the Father is God, but there is only one God. So if there's only one God, then where do we get the idea of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all being God? I mean, that doesn't make sense in a human mind. If there is only one God, how can we have three that are God? And this is where it gets tough in our minds, but the Scripture is clear on it. But the one thing that we can all agree on that the Scripture says very, very clearly is there's one God. So let's, let's tuck that away. We know that there's one God. But the Father is God. This is what we're going to talk about, the three persons of the Godhead. There are three persons, but one God, and the first one is the Father. 1 Peter 1.2 says, According to the foreknowledge of God... The Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now the reality is, is that God, or the Father being God, is not really contested by anybody. There's no groups out there. There's no, I mean, unless you just don't believe in God at all. If you have any, any, any group that somehow believes in some version of the Bible... They all agree that the Father is God. They're not really contested. Um, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time looking into it, but this is one of the scriptures that shows that. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father. It doesn't really get much easier than that. It's God, the Father. Who's the Father? He's God. Pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. And it, Peter just flat out says it. So there's really no arguing that. So what do we have? We remember there's one God. And we also know the Father is God. And also, if we look at other scriptures, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, and remember to write these down if anybody ever has questions about this stuff. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father. So we talked about that verse earlier, right? Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heaven and the places. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body... And one spirit, just as you are all called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So not only is this not contested really by anybody on the outside, but the scripture is very clear on this. That God is the Father, the Father is God. So, there's, there's, so we know that if we go back to our our, our, our thing here, the Father is God. There's no contesting that, and we learn that there's only one God. So the next thing is, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit is God. But here's where it gets weird, right? Wait a minute. If there's only one God, and the Father is God, how can the Holy Spirit also be God? Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're just, I'll be honest, I've, I've studied this, and, and there's still that, like, I don't know quite how this works mechanically, but that's okay. God's different than me. And if he says it works, it works. But the Holy Spirit is God. First Peter 
I'm sorry. Uh, Acts 5, 3 through 4 says this. Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So let me give you the backstory of this. We have Ananias and Sapphira. They're part of the early church, and the early church is on fire for God. The church there in Jerusalem, they're, they're, and they're like, you know what? We want to dedicate everything to God. So they're selling all their property. They're selling all their land. They're selling all their stuff, and they're pulling it together to make sure and take care of everybody. So now we have Ananias and Sapphira. They sell a piece of property, and they get a good chunk of money for it, and then they go to the church, and they say, we only got this, and they give that much to the church. So the problem was, and if you read this whole story, was not that they, they only gave a certain amount, but it's that they said that they, they gave them everything, but they really didn't. And you'll actually know, and I think it's Peter says, uh, he says, uh, why don't you keep back part of the proceeds for the land? While it remained unsold, did not remain your own? Basically, Peter's saying, if you wanted to, you could have kept it all. The issue is not that you kept some back. The issue is that you said you gave everything, but you didn't. It was the lying, right? So that's what the issue is here. And then that's where we get the scriptures. Anybody see here where it says the Holy Spirit is God? Anybody reading it? It says right here that why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? But then it says down here, you have not lied to man, but to who? To God. So you lied to the Holy Spirit. Same story, same situation. This isn't two instances, so we're not confused, but he also lied to God. So why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Now, this is also another one. It's actually not contested all that much either. I mean, it stands to reason for most people that, that the Spirit of God is also God. So you don't see a lot of, of arguing about this, but it, the, the Scripture is also very clear that the Holy Spirit is also God. And this isn't the only place, and we won't read them all, but here's just another one for good measure. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So we have the varieties of gifts, but one Spirit, and it's one God who empowers them all. The, the, the Holy Spirit is God. There's no two ways about it. The Scripture is clear on this. So now we have the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, which is where you're starting to see that we have this, this, um, this diagram is starting to get filled out. We have one God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And now we're going, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I've done the math on this. Well, we have too many numbers. But that's where we have to start realizing that maybe we don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers. But we have to trust the Word of God because the problem that we run into is that people that try to explain this in any other way, they start having to shift stuff around. They have to start making concessions. They have to start uh, doing all kinds of things, whether that be uh, trying to say, well, I just don't understand it, so I, I, I'm not going to believe in it. Or they, they start saying, oh, well, it must be he shifts from one to the other. 
or it must mean that they're all gods, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's one God, and it says the Holy Spirit is God. It says the Father is God, and we'll see the most contested one is whether Jesus was really God. And we're going to talk about that briefly right now. So the thing that we have to remember when we're looking at the Holy Spirit is, is stop trying to explain it based on your understanding, but trusting what the Word of God says. And maybe we just don't understand. I don't know the mechanics of it. One day in heaven, I'm sure we'll understand. But right now, I don't know how it works. Because there's nothing in our world that, that makes sense that way. But it is what the Bible says. So now let's talk about... Uh, another thing that I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is also a person. This is another thing that, that many people get confused about. There's quite often that you hear about the Holy Spirit kind of being this like force or this power. Now the Holy Spirit has power, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Just like the Father and just like the Son. And the reason why we know it's a person is that He, he does many things that only persons can do. Let's read this in Acts 13 too. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. How many know that a force or a power can't say something? I mean, when's the last time you were woken up to electricity tapping on your door trying to explain something to you? Or the last time that you were walking up to the edge of a cliff, did anybody ever hear gravity yell out, be careful? <laughs> because forces, powers, they don't speak because they're, they're, they're not people. But the Holy Spirit speaks. It says right here, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. You see, and here's the thing is that the Holy Spirit speaks. He sets them apart. He calls them. And we find that as we read Scripture, and we'll spend more time on this, uh, uh, just so you guys know, today we're looking at the overall structure of the, of the Trinity, but then over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to talk about um, God the Father by Himself. Who, who is God the Father? What is His purpose? Um, we're going to talk about the Son, and, and who is Jesus, and what is His purpose. We're going to break that up into two parts. God, uh, the, the Son is, is fully God, but also the, God was, the Son was fully man which is another one that's hard to wrap your head around because how could he be fully God and fully man? It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what the Bible says, so we're going to go with it. But we'll talk about that. And then we're going to have a, a one message on, on, who, on the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, and get more into detail. But what I can tell you is this, is that the Holy Spirit, and like we just said here, he speaks, he calls. We also know that the Holy Spirit has knowledge. We also know that the Holy Spirit guides us. He testifies of the Son. We know the Holy Spirit speaks to us, like I said. Um, we know the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. We know the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. We know the Holy Spirit has feelings. And we know the Holy Spirit can be grieved and insulted. All of these things are indicative of, of the Holy Spirit, bearing, Holy Spirit being a person, not just a force, not just some supernatural mojo that God sends around to get stuff going on. It's an actual person. He is an actual person. That's one thing, that, and I just did. You probably noticed me just do it. Very often when we describe the Holy Spirit, um, it's, it's very easy to, to say it. But it's not an, the Holy Spirit isn't an it, it's a he, it's a person. And we have to remember that. Amen? And then let's go ahead and look at Jesus, who is also God. 
Colossians 2, 8 through 9, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, philosophy, philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. You know, one, I just want to take a moment here. Whenever we're looking at things in the Bible, we should always keep this in mind. Let no one take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. That's what happens when you start trying to describe the Trinity from a human perspective. You get wrapped up in philosophy and human tradition, which we can't explain something like this from God. But he says, see to it that that doesn't happen according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, who's him? It's talking about Christ. I know most of you guys are used to seeing a capital H um, for whatever reason, and they have a whole blurb about it in the front of their Bible. The ESV doesn't capitalize pronouns for God. They have a reason for it, but uh, that's why you never see it. So you can't cheat. You actually have to use context to determine who he's talking about. You can't just see the capital H and know it's talking about God. Anyway, for in him, speaking of Jesus, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of deity. That means that he's fully God. It's, it's not the partially God. He's not a third God. He's fully God. The fullness of God, the fullness of who he is, dwells in Jesus. So now we run into that issue. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And Jesus is also God. But there's only one God. So that means that we have three persons who are all equally and fully God in one God who is just one as well. And there's so much support for the idea that Jesus is God in the Scripture, it's almost embarrassing that people would argue against it. When I read the Scripture, I, I, I wonder, like, how do you come to the conclusion that Jesus isn't God? And there are many of them that are out there that do. There, there are many people that... that that the claim to, to uh, many religions that claim to operate from the scriptures that they believe completely different. You know, there's some groups that, that believe, like we talked about earlier, that it's three separate gods. There are some that believe that Jesus is created. There are some that believe that, that we have that modalism thing that we we're talking about. But the scripture is so clear on this stuff to me that it almost seems weird that you would argue against it, particularly that Jesus is God. One of, and, and we're going to go through, when we talk about Jesus being fully God, we're going to go through it all. We're going to answer some objections when we get to that point. 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 This. <laughs> it, it really is, when I get going and get talking, it's like I'm not getting enough oxygen, and then my words get messed up. I know. It's not so bad when I'm just working at work or just casual conversation, but when I'm up here talking nonstop or when I'm singing, I'll get that too. Or That's where you see me almost choke to death while we're worshiping. <laughs> but here's another great scripture that, that illustrates this point that Jesus is God. And I love this one because it works kind of like a math problem to me. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I have the head of an engineer. Um, that's just the way my brain works. And... Uh, uh, John 1, 1 through 14. It's a long one. We're going to read it all. In the beginning, there was the Word. Note that. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Note that. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now you'll notice, this is obviously talking about Jesus. But then it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. For we have seen His glory. Glory is the Son of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you'll notice that we have, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, but the Word was God. So now we have the Word in the beginning, who was also God. But then it says right here, and the Word became flesh. The Word became Jesus when He came and lived in bodily form on this earth. It's a simple math problem. The Word <coughs> equals God and the Word equals the flesh. So the flesh, Jesus, must equal God. You guys remember that in high school? A equals B and B equals C, so A equals must equal C. Simple math problem. That's it. The Word is God. The word is flesh, or Jesus. So that means God must be Jesus. And there's so much other evidence for this. How many know that Jesus received worship? Jesus forgave sins. All those things only God can do, but He did those. And it's really compelling to me because when the angel was, 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 uh, had John trying to worship Him in the book of Je uh, Revelation, he's like, no, no, get up. I'm just like you. The angel wasn't about to have worship received. And then I believe they were going to worship Paul and the people that were with him. And Paul said, no, no, no. I'm just like, quit doing this, guys. You're really getting... Because every person, everybody that's not God, who's smart and begins to receive worship as God, begin to tell people, no, don't do this. I am not God. But Jesus, they worshiped him and he, he received that worship. We're going to find um, multiple times where actually the Scripture says that Jesus is God. It's actually very, very clear. And we know this based on the rules of, of Greek grammar that, that we learn. And it's very clear that they're saying that Jesus is God. And not only that, we're going to look and see that, that really Jesus said it Himself. There, there, it's, it, to me, to contest that Jesus was God just doesn't make any sense. And we will spend a lot more time on that. So if you're wondering now, like of all those verses I'm talking about, we're going to go through them. Don't worry here in the next few weeks. So if you, if you want to make sure that you're, you're here or tuned in for that, if you don't want to miss it. But the reality is, is that Jesus is God. So now we have... Let's go back here to... Oh, I'm not clicking. There we go. We go back to this. One God, the Father is God, Son is God, Holy Spirit is God. But what about the red bits? If you just talked about a math problem, Pastor Wayne, doesn't it stand to reason that if the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, then the Father is the Holy Spirit? Well, no, because that's not what the Bible teaches. 
So let's go ahead and we're going to turn to Matthew 3, 16 through 17. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I think this is one of the best examples to describe that all three persons of the Godhead. And, and when you hear people say the Godhead, it sounds all fancy. All that means is just the, 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 the essence of God. The, the Godhead just means the essence of God. So when we say three persons of the Godhead, it's three persons of God, the three persons of the essence of God. But I think this is the greatest example of it because Jesus is getting baptized. So we have Jesus, who is Jesus. He's separate, like nobody, he, he shows up. He's getting baptized, and then the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. So now we have the Holy Spirit, a completely separate than Jesus, is there at the same time as Jesus. And then from heaven, the voice of the God the Father comes out and said, this is my beloved Son. How do we know it's God the Father? Because he said, this is my beloved Son. So it's God the Father speaking. So now we have God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus all present at the same time. If they were the same, how could they all be there at the same time? Unless, I guess we could argue that we have some pretty impressive ventriloquism skills coming from Jesus, which I imagine, I mean, he is God. He probably does have some pretty impressive ventriloquism skills if you put his mind to it. This is how you get your eye burned out with a laser. Making fun of my word salad. (laughs) That's all right. You're the only one that can be seen by the camera. We know it was you. Loogie lover. (laughs) Hallelujah. Where was I at? You guys distracted me. So, like I said, unless there's some serious sleight of hand going on, which it's obvious there's not. I'm I'm saying that in jest. Jesus is not a ventriloquist. He's not, you know, mouthing. And even if he was, we still have the Holy Spirit there. Unless he's doing light puppets one hand and he's doing ventriloquism with, I mean, the, the three of them are all three there and they're separate. But we already learned that they're all God. How, how does that work? Seriously, if anybody can explain that, they can come on up right now. How does, from a conceptual human point of view, that doesn't work? But the Bible is clear on it. It's because they're different. How can all three of them be there at the same time? Because they're different persons. And Genesis 1.26 is also one of my favorite ones too. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who is the our? So it says, then God, singular, then God said, let us make man in our image. Who's the plural? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There have been, and there's different arguments. On that. Oh, some people say, oh no, this was a, a quarry of angels that God was speaking to. But the angels didn't make man. God made man. How could God make men in his image and also the image of some angels he's talking to? No. So where do we get the R from? It's because, God, this is also why when you hear stuff like, you know, uh, we do know that God wanted a relationship with us, but he didn't make it because he was lonely. He didn't make us because he was lonely. He was already three persons. So we see that 
that even in one God, in Genesis, one God, there's, there's this, this plurality. There's this, this us, and they're all three at the same time. If they all weren't there at the same time, how could he be speaking to, himself, speaking to us? It's because the three persons of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, have always existed as one God. See, here's the thing is that when we look at this, we're left to to only come to one conclusion is that the the Trinity works like this. But then you might say, but Pastor Wayne, you just went through all that Scripture and I didn't hear you say the word Trinity. I didn't see the word Trinity once. How many of you know that Trinity is not in the Bible? The word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's not. Well, if it's not in the Bible, Pastor Wayne, why are you saying there's a such thing? Well, because Trinity is just the, the word we use to describe a doctrine that is in the Bible. It's just a word that we use. How many of you guys believe that God is omniscient? Which means He knows everything. Why do you believe that? That word's not in the Bible. It's because that's a word we use to describe what is clearly taught in the Bible. God knows everything. Same with omnipresent. And same with, uh, uh, what's this? Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, which is all-powerful. None of those words are used in the Bible. Those are all words we use to describe because it's, it's a word that we use to describe a reality in the Bible. And that's what the Trinity is. It's a word that we use, try, three, unity, one, to describe what is clearly being taught in the Bible. If we examine the Scriptures, the only conclusion that we're, we can come to because it's forced on us by what the Scripture says is that the Trinity exists and this is what it looks like even if it doesn't make sense from a human conceptual point of view. There is one God that can't be contested. It's very clear in Scripture. And we know that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So when we examine it, that's, that's the conclusion that we have to come to based on what the Scripture says. Whether it makes sense from a human perspective or not. It might be difficult to understand, but it doesn't make it any less truthful. Amen? So our job is to just trust the Word of God because He certainly knows what He's talking about more than you or I. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our head.